Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Side Quests. With your Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Eli. Hi, Eli. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? I am extra tired today, but doing well. How are you? Woo! Yeah, I'm doing awesome. It's a beautiful day out today. Now, we're getting into that weather be changing seasons thing. Um, I'm not sure how it is out on the West Coast. I'm in the Great Lakes Plains, so Midwest over here, our seasons have started to get a little crispy, but still have a few days in the 80s. Yeah, it's starting to get a little colder over here. Um, but, uh, today was still just a, a beautiful sunny day. It was still just a little cold, but, uh, it was gorgeous. Uh, you know, we're getting into my favorite season right before the cold snap of winter, but not quite full fall yet either. Somewhere between those, you have those few sporadic days that are just incredible. Yeah. I, I love when the weather's wonderful, but it means I also go out into the world and adventure and do a lot of outdoor things. Mm Mm-hmm. When the weather turns bad, I've got a lot of time to work on RPGs and paint and build miniatures. So, right, changing right. season, changing hobbies. Hey, that's how it works. We got to stay sane. Uh, so, last week we left off with a cliffhanger. We wanted to talk about something that's a little interesting. And I, before we jump right into the actual mechanic that I want to talk about, I want to start by asking because you have specifically said your table does not roll for a skill check uh no i started that i started that horribly when you throw a skill check at your players and one person fails your table doesn't usually go through every single person until they have a success do they well like i yes and no Mm -hmm. like if if i if i propose a situation in like I, I never have a situation where they all just roll uh, one after another without mm-hmm. anything actually happening. So if they if they do come across, like, let's say it's a locked door. Okay. And they're all going to try to kick it down. They're more than welcome to all try to kick it down. Um, and they can each try individually. But there's a consequence. And that consequence is usually time. And that this is where, like, I think random encounters has a mm-hmm. has a great uh, a great use. Like, if your party wants to just sit in a hallway and you know waste eight hours trying to decipher something, things might stumble upon them. Things right. might happen to them. Right. And that's just like the the consequence. Or if they're in the underdark, time also needs to be a factor because you could be running out of light. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think it's actually an issue to have your players each roll individually against something until they overcome it. But there needs to be consequences because if there's no actual cool. consequences, they shouldn't be making that roll in the first place. Right, right. Like the the basic uh, 
ground zero consequence should not just simply be you don't get into it uh, if it's a locked door or a locked box. Because then you run into the issue where players will oftentimes at the table say, well, I'll try next. And if they don't fail, well, I'll try next. And if they fail, I'll try, etc. Um, so I, I also like, I also really don't hate that because what often happens is usually either the, the one of the, the two higher, the two highest skilled players, like whoever has the highest bonus in those skills, one of those two players usually succeed, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and that's fine, right? They've, they have put points into these skills. They'll succeed at, like, when they attempt them. That's great. But you also end up with those situations where they fail, and then it's, like, the seventh person. And, like, it's, like, a huge iron door. It's impossible yep. to break down. And then you have a situation where, like, you're scrawny little halfling. Or you're, you're like, we've all failed. Wait, we have a torchbearer. Can he try? And then mm -hmm. you have the torchbearer do it, and somehow it works, and they destroy the door. Like, <laughs> I think those are also like very memorable scenes. They they can be, and the reason that we bring it up this way, uh, or that I wanted to bring it up this way, is because in Call of Cthulhu, they've got the pushing the roll, and it's very similar to when a, a storyteller, a game master, what have you says yes but or yes and so the generalized premise of pushing the role is you fail your save and you can immediately attempt again so whether it be that same person or an individual person there are now greater consequences you have yes you may try again but you have been spotted so now you are you know you're no longer stealthy or yes, you have succeeded and you had made a, at least two attempts. So you have actually broken the lock and you can't jam the door behind you. So it'll be obvious that you have escaped through this route. Um, I like that aspect and I like that Call of Cthulhu has put that built in, baked in to their system. Because I don't think a lot of people really use a strong yes and or yes but system. Well, a lot of times I, I they think, get no buts. Like I think that's a, a codified, a great codified way of what I was explaining. Right? They can try again, but there's consequences, and that's just codified into the game system. Mm -hmm. You can try again, but now there are greater consequences, or there is a consequence. Yep. Just from trying yep. again, I, I, I think that's great. I think it's something that every GM should be doing already. I I agree, and I think a big part of where you have a huge issue, and as I was looking into how I wanted to present this earlier, the I believe it's the Adventure Time RPG system. Have you heard of that? Um, I I feel like I've seen it, and I I listened to the Adventure Time podcast. I, All right, I so, thought it was a good comedy show. I watched it a little bit. It wasn't my favorite uh, form of cartoon, but I I enjoyed it enough. It was. No, no huge complaints, but their system that they have for this tabletop game is literally the yes and system. Right. It's yes, it works. And this also happens. So there's continuous progression. And one of the charming things that has been said about this system is that it aims to eliminate the prisoner behind a locked door problem in games such as D&D, &D, where a failed role can bring the story to a sudden halt. And that's exactly what you described. When 
I also think the, like, the game should never come to a halt with a failed role. Like I, I think there's a lot of things that have failed. If you get to a point where a single role, like, fails the game, I mean, like, I, I think there are moments where it will come down to a single role. You know, you're fighting the boss. You're like, oh, we're at, we're at one hit point. The area of effect will kill us all if we don't kill him on mm-hmm. this turn. Like, that's an exception. But like, coming to a locked door or like failing to find a secret door. Game shouldn't end. No, there are there are certain instances where it seems a little dramatic. Sure, like a locked door. Um, but I think it does illustrate the larger issue of that when a table will go through failure after failure after failure. We have a lot of new DMs who have flooded the market, and we're still in a DM deficit. But it it does stop their story, and they don't have that. Yes, and or yes, but it's um, well, shit. What do I do next? So, I I would love to throw out that advice. I think your yes and with consequence, yes but with consequence, is a great great narrative. I agree with that. It should be conditional. Time is a fantastic thing. If you're being chased, obviously, uh, time is of consideration. Um, for example, when I ask my players to make skill checks, the reason that I'm asking them to make skill checks is because there's a consequence if they do succeed or if they don't succeed. That consequence can be progressing uh, more information, getting a reward of some sort, or losing out on something, losing time, losing valuable resources, or losing the ability to uh, save an individual, for example. Um, If there is no consequence, I don't have them roll. I just simply provide them with the information. The door will be unlocked. I will let them go in. There's no need for a passive perception. Um, It's just things that they have because there's no consequence. So. So do you still run into this problem when you're in your games? And if so, when? I do. Mine will generally come into like when they're, uh, when they're facing a trapped wall, trapped dungeon door, or uh, an obstacle is in the way. Where yeah. they are more than capable of overcoming it, but because there is the you fail, you take damage aspect. Um, and just because you have taken damage and failed does not mean that the trap is, you know, not dangerous and the door is unlocked. It means the door is still locked and you set off the trap. So sometimes I will have six or seven players bundled around a door, all of them failing. Well, and doesn't the trap go off when you fail by a certain amount? Yes, but it does not mean the door is still a cleared obstacle just because the trip, just because the trip, the trap was set. Excuse me. So yeah, yeah. When they run into that instance or that issue, a lot of my players will try to go through the entire table. Well, the trap's already set. I'll make, I'll make my push check. I'll make my strength check. I'll make my shove check. Can I overrun the door? You know, at this point, I'm going to sunder the goddamn thing. And <laughs> they've all rolled ones before everybody at the table all the way down the line while we laughed about it had good jokes about it they were still stuck at that point because everybody was like well shit we failed so well i think at at a certain point you also have to tell your party like your characters all do not believe you can get through the door with what you currently have on you Mm -hmm. move on and and sometimes you just have to say that and 
it's it's not overriding their their player agency if they've all attempted once or even multiple times and failed and or attempted even multiple different avenues and failed because that's what people do people will try things multiple different times and then fail mm-hmm. but eventually if they can't get it to open they'll give up and sometimes right. you have to tell them that right and i think that's another aspect that a lot of times you don't hear about so in an instance like i said where i've had an entire table go through the doors every time i let them try again there was a yes you can try again but these consequences are going to continue to scale as you guys fail and they still all the still failed all the way ended up having a uh, a much da- more dangerous encounter and still had to run around the other way so those are my oh. yes buts or yes ands i mean that doesn't sound like a failure right because they eventually got through the door but they, whatever they, was on the other side was now no they didn't get through strong. the door no they didn't get through the door they ended up the encounters they were being chased by something from in which they had come that okay. had caught up to them. They couldn't get through the door. They had to encounter and then find a way to go around. So what was your issue in this case? It sounds like, like they failed. They mm-hmm. had a consequence. They moved on eventually. Not saying I had the issue. I'm saying that there are many people who have issues with this. Everybody gets through the, everybody has all their players go through it. And they're like, I'm not exactly sure what to do next. Cause this was my railroaded plan. This is my streamline idea. This is what I want them to do next. So I'm saying that as experienced DMs, you and I are suggesting have that contingency of yes, but yes. And if they're going to sit there and continue to try, have a plan for how to progress something of consequence. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I, I didn't want to present it in a way that it sounded like we're coming from different angles. Cause we <laughs> both, we both agree. Um, it's just as I've read so many things, people in a lot of the Facebook groups or the Reddit groups that I've seen, again, we have newer DMs who are just like, what do I do in this situation? They got my players got stuck. Well, the players didn't get stuck. The DM ran out of creative capital at the moment. We gotta have like uh GM boot camps, GM mentorships, GM I, uh GM assemblies, pass I think this be, knowledge on. I think that'd be great. I mean, that's part of why I'm a part of a few of the like Dungeon Master resource style groups and whatnot, because people ask questions. I'm like, ah, you know what? I can answer this when I feel totally qualified for. Other ones are asking questions I think are absolutely absurd. And I just I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to touch that with a stick. What what kind of game mastering circles do you do you frequent? A lot of them stick with the D20 systems because that's what I'm super no, familiar with. No, no, I'm, I'm talking like, are you on servers? Are you on Reddit? Oh. Are you on, I, like, RPG.net? I, I dip my fingers in, I think, 12 different Facebook groups. Oh, my. Two, two Reddit communities. And I uh, actively ignore three Discord servers. <laughs> Fair. So, yeah, that's a good way to call it. Um, well, I mean, I've got all my notifications on mute and little tings next to everything. Well, I mean, do do you have, in any of those communities, do you feel like there is an active, like, game master dialogue, like, between, like, between game masters about their games? No. No, I, I don't. And this is where I think the problem that we have with communities, um, 
really shines, like the problem shines, and that's not a good problem. Where if we start a community, we want to start a dialogue, we want to start sharing resources, that's great. But if your style is different than mine, and you think you're right, I think I'm right, one of us is eventually going to devolve thanks to the anonymity of the internet. And we're going to call each other some stupid name. We're going to have an entirely huge and incorrect measuring contest of what we should do. Whereas the initial question is going to get lost in our drama. Uh, that is what I see so much of happening all the time. Um, it's it's hard. People are looking for a lot of feedback and answers. And so many other DMs are like, I've got 20, 30 years of experience and this is stupid. Like, you know, that's not helpful. So I think we could be better as a community. Yeah, I agree. Little soapbox. Gotta have some there. better, better platforms for, uh, for sharing game master knowledge. Well, I thought about starting a boot camp idea, kind of like an Epic Table Games uh, DM certification class, but <laughs> it was is uh, framed that if we offered that, we got decent at that. You're going to get into people who are like, "Well, are you a certified DM?" And that's just a whole other can of worms that are going to create tiered cast system of DMs and. We don't need that. You just, we need people who are willing to take the plunge and try it out and to slowly get better at it. Yeah, that's fair. I think it would be a fun idea. Um, it, I think it'd be a unique challenge to pull off. But Yes, one that would take lots of development and our time is already capped. I don't know if we'd be the guys for that. <laughs> yeah, it's It'd be cool to, to cool to see happen. Um, I, I think so. I mean, that's kind of what a seminar is at a at a convention yes. on a smaller scale. I agree with that, and that scale is man comparatively forty five minutes to talk to a room full of people and cram in as much information about running a game as possible. It's better to talk about one micro point. I'm trying to think of how I'd try like. If you were to run like a a, a game master boot camp, mm -hmm. I feel like you'd want to have it where I mean you'd you'd want to be run you want to have people both run and play in games with each other, and then have I guess people give feedback, and like you'd want to try to you'd probably have to talk about how to give feedback and the types of feedback to give. It would it would be beneficial. I don't know if that would fit my style. My style would be like a uh, a room full of 12 angry men all yelling at each other and one person trying to corral their entire cast of monkeys into a barrel to send off of a waterfall. Um, what? How? Where is this? Where is the... What? See, you want structure. Mine would devolve right away because they would I, I would open up the floor and it would just be like uh give me a scenario no don't do it that way do it this way and someone's going to counterpoint like no here's the counter to that that's why that works or does not work and then somebody else throws an idea and like yes and then somebody's going to have an idea that's going to like follow that suggestion because that's the way it should work so you're going to have like a an open floor workshop that'd be cool yes but like i said it'd be like Organizing 12 angry men as a collection of barrels, I'm sorry, monkeys, into a single barrel to launch off a water cliff. Waterfall. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that analogy. It's chaos. Sure. It's just chaotic, that's all. Corralling monkeys is chaotic and asinine. 
All right. Well, I'll talk to you about my game and uh, and and the prep that I have. Yeah. So, I uh, I'm preparing a, a larger uh, set of quests for my players, and I have uh, have seated five these these five seat like palantirs essentially like you know uh, knockoff target palantirs. They have some cool abilities. They can link up. You can see through them. It's a Palantir. Um, five of them from the Ancient Kingdom. Right, They're scattered around the globe. Mm-hmm. The party has one of them. There is the... Another one is currently uh, in the control of a undead creature that the party freed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So that undead creature has been gathering strength and has nice. one of the one of these stones. Nice. And then the other three are scattered around the globe. They're gonna have to go search for them. Now, I one of one of the the players is a magic user that sought. Uh, like that basically sought maybe like a like a warlock's bond, like basically they uh, they swore fealty to uh, this ancient lizard wizard, uh, okay. which is fun to say. Yes. Um, swore allegiance to this ancient lizard uh, and has now started turning into a lizard, and like basically a super lizard, mm-hmm. um, where they they've got some magic you know they got some magical bonuses. It's a great alliance, but. So that's that's a little bit of backstory. Um, I am looking for how to to move, like how I how I'm foreseeing the party, or like how I can hook the party into moving forward um, like with these crystals, because they currently have one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the magic user has one time like dumped a bunch of spell points into the the stone, and it made it work once. And he got flashes of visions from where all the other stones were. And then, but they also just dumped all their spell points into it and knocked themselves out. Nice. So they haven't tried that again. Um, so I've I've got a couple different avenues that I'm thinking of of going forward with it. Um I am thinking about so. When they accidentally unlocked and unleashed this undead creature, um, it was a protege adventure. It was a protege side quest adventure. A mm-hmm. bunch of their proteges were on it. They were just kind of going through a um, an ancient tomb. Um, it was it, it was actually an adventure that I found. I kind of wanted to to play it. I was the yeah. the hole in the oak. Okay. Which is a great it's a it's a great nifty little adventure um, where there's a little oak. Um, and you go inside the oak, and there's a whole kingdom down below. Uh, there's lizard folks. There's, uh, like, a cannibalistic lamb that owns a tea shop. Uh, it's, a, it's, a little, it's, a, it's a quirky, fun little micro-dungeon ecosystem that's got some, you know, fun little things. Like, mm-hmm. there's, a left, there's a left-handed glove, but there's no right-handed glove in the entire adventure. Hmm. So it's just, like, some open-ended stuff that's kind of fun. Uh, which my players really enjoyed, but yeah. one of the players on it lost their protege to a shadow. So it became a shadow. 
now under the servitude of this uh, this undead creature that they freed. So I was thinking of hooking the party into this undead creature in two different ways. Um, one is I was going to have that that shadow pixie return to the pixie who has now been reincarnated. Because pixie fairies can be reborn if you put them if you bury them uh, under their mother tree. So the character was reborn, but with a flaw that they didn't have a shadow. Um, Peter Pan. Exactly. So I was going to have the shadow go back to its, uh, you know, its original character and like give it a symbol of that undead power that that has now been unleashed. Um, It's an, it was, it was a hole in the oak. And one of the clerics of the party is worships the, the great oak. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to have, um, Oak trees have acorns, right? Oh, oh. Uh, man, I wasn't prepared for a test. Like, I feel like I should know that. They I do. Think, I, think yeah, yeah, they, I think it's acorns yeah. and oak trees. Yeah, they, they do. They do have acorns. So I was going to have them, like, deliver an acorn that was, uh, like, covered in necrotic rot um, to, like, remind them of where that that it all happened and to kind of like as a divine signal to the cleric okay um, and then the second thing was one of the other players has a romantic interest who is a nobleman's son and i was going to have the un as part of the undead army's expansion uh, they were going to trash and you know take over uh the no- that nobleman's um, estate mm-hmm. to to pull the party in that direction to also investigate the undead threat. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my my idea to to try to pull them in that direction um, to look into the undead threat, right? Yeah, to look into the undead threat, which has another one of those palantirs. Nice. But maybe I offer. Was- I want to hear this. Go ahead. So my other my other thought was uh, this wizard's patron uh, has a cult of of other wizards that kind of follow him, and so I was going to have him deliver a message to the wizard to take the stone to one of the cult locations, where I was going to have the cult uh, try to take the stone from him. Um, or try to betray him, and then okay. try to turn the patron that the players that this wizard has into, uh, you know, a force that's also trying to look for these, like to, to collect these stones, with, like, like as a as a as a more evil force, because the player has already has I've, I've already had hints, um, and been 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 pushing the player that the, that their patron is not necessarily a good character. Mm-hmm. Um, and the player had, had gone back and forth with, uh, they'd done some alignment changes and messed around, uh, with role-playing, uh, being conflicted with some of his, uh, master's commands or, or his patron's commands. Um, and so I was gonna, you know, have him be delivered a command to go to one of the Colts, Colts location. Okay. And part of me was thinking 
that I should do both of those things at the same time. To lead into the one singular storyline for right now? Yeah, so I was I was okay. thinking of kind of like presenting to the players as a choice, like, you know, there's there's this undead threat that's starting to attack, but also your patron is trying to like pull you in two different directions. But the whole point of me trying to hook them into this is to give them one solid direction to go into. And so I'm worried I'm once again splitting their focus. Ah, now here is are you open to small suggestions? No, please. This is why I bring this is why I bring it up. I I love it. So it sounds like your idea is to at least go on a for at the moment, a singular narrative, a straight shot sort of style story. Like here's where they're starting and I know where I want them to end up. What about telling the party, hey, here's what's sort of been going on and this is where you're starting and then asking them how they got to that point. So you can say, you guys are going up against uh, this undead horde and you could decide to tell them it's because the stone is uh, within their possession at the very top of their hierarchy or not and tell them that how did you find out about it how did you get to this point and then you pick up right there let them tell let them develop their story before your creative mojo starts to really flow so that way how 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 would you approach your party like that or how are you structuring that i think for me conversation with your party i think for me i would say hey um do they at least know that the uh the stone is in existence. Yeah. Do, but they probably don't know that the uh, the undead horde has it in their possession somewhere. They know that. They do. Okay. So I would actually say, hey, we're taking a break right now. I want to start it where you guys are hunting down this stone that the undead horde has. You guys don't know where it is, but you got a piece of information that sets you on the path. What happened between when we took a break and when we start, how did all of that information come to you guys? Like you guys write that story for the campaign. I also tell them to work together. (laughs) I I mean, it's, it's kind of implied that they should be working together. Um, It is, but sometimes you get one guy who likes to write and one guy who likes to read and he doesn't put any input in. (laughs) So, um, that I I love that method, by the way, where you have the players kind of right in those downtime chunks to get them into the next adventure. Um, it's actually one of the reasons I really like having parties start at level three, because I'm like, you guys have been playing together. Party have been adventuring together from level one to three. What have you guys been doing for those three levels? You know, like. You have a small reputation, you're being known. So I try to present that idea here to you as well i mean like you can come up with a story you can start at the beginning or let your players kind of fill in the beginning and pick up where they've left off that way if they bring up like npcs that are sort of irrelevant they can come back and become more relevant you can pull in pieces now they're super included in the development of the story too and so i I mean i guess how much do i uh, how much do I tell them? Like, do I just say, like, am I saying, you you know that this undead horde has one of the stones, 
how did you discover that? That's yeah, that's really where I would I'd start. Um, I wouldn't give them too much information because then they can really pigeonhole and shorten the entire thing. But giving them just enough vague information to put them on a path where I can develop the story in the linear fashion I'd like them to travel afterwards is what I would do. So yeah, so very how much, much so. how much information or do you, do you give your party in, in this situation? Like I, in this situation, it would really, um, give me a, a milligram of a second to think here about it. No, so, no, no. Yeah. No worries. Um, powerful stone. There's multiple of them. The party has one. And right now in this chapter, we want the party to go after the next one that the undead horde has, but we don't know who the leader of the undead horde is. We haven't heard rumors of it, but we've started to get trickles of information somehow. I would tell my party that the next shard of, not shard, but the next stone that we're looking for has fallen into the hands of the undead horde. I wouldn't tell them where they're located. I wouldn't tell them their plan. I wouldn't tell them anything other than they know that the power is something he shouldn't have. And it's a paramount information that they get to him before it becomes out of control and they can deter. And from that point, what information has been leaked to them? What sort of evidence have they seen of this undead horde starting to grow and expand? What have they been doing about it? Um, and I would, I just imply it's got to be sort of small things where you walking through the woods and you see shambling corpses where they shouldn't be. And all of a sudden those kind of things pop up, kind of give them a little bit of guidance and structure. That way it's not, oh, well, you know, I fell into a cave with the guy who runs the undead horde and he just held it up there. I was like, yo, that's mine now. Because I got players that would do that. Okay. So that's kind of where I would, that's where I would go. And if it's not your flavor, I'm sure there's something in all of this <laughs> that sparks no, I, an idea will, of creativity. I will definitely uh, try to put something together and uh, kind of align my thoughts on how I'd approach my party with that and or my, my, my players with that, uh, that idea. I think we'll be starting play either end of this week or next week. So. Okay, so so that means that hopefully, like high hopes here, we'll have uh, a session one to talk about in our next episodes. And I, I, although I, th I think it's more leaning towards, I guess, two weekends from now. All right. So, so in this weekend's weeks. a long shot. So, That's all yeah. right. That that does allow us to follow up a little bit if we remember to talk about. Hey, did you present it to your store? Did you present the story idea to your party in a way that they can develop that, or did you kind of give them the key points and they'll pick up from there? So I like hearing on what direction you're going to go. Okay. So excited about that. Um, as, as it comes to parties and choices, I would like to absolutely clarify that as much as my death flags have not been used recently, I nearly had a TPK my last session. I did have one oh, player wonderful. die. Yes. Yes. It's, a, it's incredible. So the combat was already difficult. We were down two players and all of my players know that I do not scale combat because somebody misses. Like, you guys are going to fight this guy, and you're going to fight this guy. I don't care how many of you show up. And if you guys decide to run, you run. It's acceptable. But the encounter's there. So they all know. Dark Souls style, right? <clears throat> so 
down two players. They go up against a necromancer vampire, a vampiric necromancer. So pulled right from the background of somebody's backstory, blah, 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 blah. And right off the gate, he polymorphs one of my players into a puffer fish and the puffer fish suffocates to death. He following the tactics in the book. Let me start with that too. Uh, first edition Pathfinder playing by the tactics that are described for the NPC in the book. My player should have wiped the floor with them, but because my player who turned into a pufferfish failed that save for a baleful polymorph, actually failed both of his saves, couldn't use his spell slots afterwards, ended up dying as a pufferfish. And, Oof. yep, so this is where, you know, natural ones make good stories, right? <laughs> um, the bad guy ended up, instead of killing them, this is where the TPK, I've changed the TPK, exhausted them to the point of um, fainting. So the surviving members fainted and they're now under the captive control of this vampiric uh, necromancer. So, awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I changed the TPK up a little bit. They all technically failed everything horribly enough to die. The tactics were absolutely brutal and the story that I want to take into play, because we should have everybody showing up next session, is a rescue mission. Did they have their their death flags up? Or like down? Whichever way means they can die. <laughs> uh, they all had them down, so death was not on the table okay. while in combat. However, one of the caveats that we wrote into the Paracolum Mortis death flag is that certain things can happen um, in combat or out of combat that will kill you either way. Some of the things that were specifically mentioned were if you were polymorphed into a creature that cannot survive, or if you were assassinated outside of combat, or if you find a trap outside of combat. Those sort of things can be deadly. And they do not apply to the death flag. Would disintegration apply to the death flag? It depends if disintegration was cast as a trap from a central location or if somebody in combat cast disintegration. However, okay. in general, disintegrate means you're done for. So, um, I'll, so like, all my this players. player that got to so like polymorph was an exception to your death flag. Yep. So that person actually died. Yep. Um, the other people, though, they survived and are now under the that's perfect use of your death flags. Yes. So they know that, well, truthfully, because where we ended it, they had just fainted. So they don't know what's coming next. And technically, combat is still going. So how's that work out? This is that cinematic pause that we talked about two or three weeks ago. I thought okay. it would be really interested, interesting to try. Okay, so, so what are you going to do? <clears throat> I am going to rewind time slightly to figure out some of the downtime between the party when they were whole and why they separated to end up in the fight with their being down two people, which will allow the player who died a new character a chance to be introduced to the party, uh, the two survivors who didn't go, to bring their party up to three to survive the two two. Rescue, I believe it's the three that two, two or three that are down there right now. 
Does that make sense? Did I, did I, I don't feel like I got that down there right. <clears throat> but <laughs> the idea is to rewind the time so they all can play. So I don't have players just waiting as to, all right, when do they come to kick our ass? So we rewind the plan. They all get to gather in. They all get to go forward. We play. Wait, wait, so so you, yeah. you're going to restart, just re rewind time, Yep. and just have them go through the fight over again? No. No. When the players go to investigate whatever led them to the fight, that's how they ended up down the two party members. Yeah. So we're going to play up until that point. We don't have to redo the fight, and then we'll just jump back to the other players who were not there coming in to save them. Oh, so you're going to have the fight with all the four people down and the people that have returned coming into the fight? Kind of. Good way. It's, think of it like a Quentin Tarantino movie. I mean, can the bad guy defeat the two players coming in? This is where it gets to have the fun, creative DM storytelling. Because... I've got a plan. I've already laid seeds down. Right. This is where you share it. This is where we're talking about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know that I've laid the seeds down for one of my members of the evil organization known as the Quell. His name is uh, Olek Alistair. He is a black market style merchant who can travel through the um, realm of torment. And he just sort of pops in every now and then. And he will happen to pop in to spare my players by some degree. That I, that sounds awful. It is absolutely awful because they have to keep making deals with this stupid devil guy, uh, and it keeps screwing them over somehow. And they know it, but they uh, they willingly take the deals. Okay, I I mean I guess I don't love that there's. A magical entity that a pops up whenever they're in trouble and saves them. Oh no, no, it does not happen that route. So, billion on the more story. I I do this to you every time, don't I? I never give you the entire story because it always seems so long. The bad guy that has defeated the party has already stated that Oleg Alistair visits him from time to time when he's feeling incredibly hungry and before he begins to cannibalize himself to drop off some form of tribute of Sancholi to sustain his undead form uh, as a vampire has to consume flesh. So Olek happens to drop by with said tribute. Like, hey, here's your uh here's your meal. Like, oh, I know these guys. I've uh, I give I gave them the dark genie. I I've sold them weapons. My parties absolutely love this guy. They know he's evil. They've made willing deals and bargains with him. Um knowing that he's not a good guy. So I've already mentioned before the combat even started that he was a player within this this realm of encounter though I was fully expecting my party to win okay yeah you you have an out for your party um, I do this is a yes but situation yeah I, I mean I don't necessarily love the yes, but, but. Well, now to be so fair, everybody, everybody did get really excited and ask if they could just become vampires. 
do not want to go that route. I really considered it, but because the whole party's not here, that would have to leave half of them somewhere to deal with the sunlight on their own. And we'd have to run a few people at night, a few people at day. That leaves too many people sitting in the day shift and night shift. So I'd rather well, not. Well, maybe they would persuade the other party members to convert to vampirism. Totally doable. Totally plausible. But right now the story element is is a little bit more fantastical. I want to see how it plays out. When it plays out a little bit, I'll try to remember to, to revisit this. So it's just, you're right. And I say that without context. <laughs> I tend to give you bare, bare minimum information. You have to ask way too many questions. I need to give you more. I, I, yeah, keep saying, I, I It feels like your party is excited to go one way and you're pulling the rug out of them and pulling them in a different direction. Not this time. I've got minimal direction this time. So okay. have and if I'm going to pull the rug out from under them, I usually tell them before it even happens. Well, what's the what's the consequence this time that uh, this merchant will seek from the party? So depending on the bargain that they will make with him, because everything with this guy comes at a price. Yeah. He, well, what what are the prices that you are willing to let this? NPC except uh, he's established a pattern of finding and accepting unusual things so whether it be unusual physical objects, items, tokens um, histories or personal effects he's even gone as far as owing favors um, when oh, he own uh, do, does the party have specific items or things of value that they're they're attached to that you're trying to pull away from them? Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. And it's it's one of those things. I did I tell you about the uh, the dark genie? Uh I, I think a little. So Olek had given them a parchment with a um image of a black genie lamp on it, and they were able to pull it out as like a 3D drawing, pull it into the real world, made a wish mm -hmm. in the Dark Genie very specifically said, make a wish and I'm going to screw it up. Like, I'm going to find a way to twist this into whatever I find comical. And they're like, okay, cool. What's the most unassuming thing we can uh, we can wish for? And they said, we'll wish for a never-ending bottle of water. So my Dark Genie said, here you go, not a big deal. When they breached the surface of where they were, they were in a desert oasis. There was no longer water in the oasis. Like, all the water was gone. They later found out that all the water in Animar was gone. But they had an only they had the only bottle of never-ending water. Oh, my. What, what happened with that? Well, the creator of the plane undid the... What? Uh, Listen, listen, undid the um, restoration of water because they wanted to burst, they burst the bottle to return all the water. But it was going to still take a very long process. So the creator of the plane undid the length of time. He restored all the water to where it should be at the expense of a huge chunk of the plane itself. So he brought the water back, and by doing so, 
I think it's like a fifth of the map is just gone. Okay. So completely wiped out. I guess that's what happened. It's, yeah. The story as a whole makes more sense. The bits and pieces are there. So anyhow, Olek gave them the Dark Genie. And Olek is already poised to make another appearance. We'll see what happens. I wish you luck. Thank you. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a bunch of... I'll work on my prep, and I will bring it next session. I dig it. Any words of advice before we cut out? Um, uh, buy fresh bread. It's delicious. And turn stale bread into French toast, for it is also delicious. All right, guys, you can check us out on Facebook or at epictablegames.com. And don't forget to check out the Open Gaming Network for any of your SRD needs or quick rule lookups. We'll see you next time. Adios. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay.